Welcome to Massage Therapy Now. I'm your host, Damien John, and today I have with me, my guest is Eric Purves. Is it Purves or Purvis? Uh, I accept either, but Purvis is, is how it's supposed to be pronounced. I'll respond to Purves or Purvez or Purvis, you know, I, I've heard it all. Yes. Even <laughs> with a simple last name like John, John, I've gotten all kinds of, uh, all kinds of crazy pronunciation. So I feel your pain. Um, <laughs> yeah, all Eric, right. Eric is with me tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about pain science as it relates to massage therapy because I believe he's somewhat of a self-professed pain science nerd. Is that correct? Uh, I'd like to think so. I think the, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know, but I, I, I do everything I can to, to try and learn more and apply this to practice and try to get the, as much of the information out to our profession as, as people will spend the time to listen to me talk about it. So I, I, thanks for having me here tonight. I I really appreciate it. This is a, this is like my favorite professional thing to talk about. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I, I know Eric personally, and I know he's spent loads of time uh, exploring the idea of pain and pain science and how it relates to the profession of massage therapy. So I thought, it would be really interesting to talk with. We're going to do the 15 minutes. We're going to do three questions and we're going to try and keep it within that time frame. And we're going to talk a little bit maybe about Lorimer Mosley. He's read all his books. He's explored it from his own vast intellect. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's see where we go. So I've prepared a few questions for, for Eric and we're just going to jump right in. I've always been interested in this question, Eric, and and I figure that you would have a really interesting answer to it. What's the relevance and importance of pain science and pain science research, especially as it relates to massage therapy as a profession? Yeah, I like this question to start off because I always like to make a distinction uh, when speaking about pain science that um, pain science has developed kind of its own special and unique kind of aura now in the last few years it's be, as it's as the the research has kind of come more to the uh, forefront but i always like to make this distinction that it's it, pain science is just science um and, and it's uh it's more about understanding why people hurt and uh exploring the biopsychosocial realm as we try to as we try to understand and explain you know, why people are hurting and, and how can we help them to hurt and suffer less. So I would like to say that pain science isn't anything special. It's just science, but it often gets termed as this, this, this special thing. And, and, I, and I think that right. sometimes can go against uh, the, the, the pain science message. Uh, but why I think it's, why I think it's important uh, or the relevance is that uh, the main reason why people come to seek us as RMTs is because of pain or how pain has impacted someone's ability to do something uh, that's important to them. So I think if we understand uh, as a profession the complexities of pain and, and how this uh, pain experience uh, can result in people suffering or dysfunction or stopping them from doing activities, uh, it changes uh, the focus of our interventions and it changes the focus of the language we use and it changes the focus of how we're interacting with people and I think as a profession in massage therapy, we're very educated on purely kind of tissue-based rationales um, of, of, of 
of therapy. And I think if we understand the importance of the science of pain, it moves us away from these, these purely structural tissue rationales and more towards the, the biopsychosocial, where we're looking more at the entire person that's involved. Because I think the, the research is pretty clear from what I've read and what I understand that uh, particularly in persistent cases, like treatments that are focusing just on peripheral mechanisms, like just focusing on the muscles and, and the tissues, uh, it doesn't really work that well. Um, so I think that the, the science of pain really informs us that we need to be uh, do more than just what we do with our hands. So we need to provide uh, proper patient education, uh, strategies, movements and activities uh, that involves more than just uh, rubbing skin. Now, that being said, I think that uh, massage therapy is extremely, like the actual hands-on is very important, but I think we just have to keep it in the right context of, of, uh, of what it can do, and it's just one part of the overall process of, of helping people that hurt. Right. Speaking about pain and, and education uh, and how we learn as massage therapists, specifically in BC, since we're both BC trained, what do you think about the education here in BC as it relates to pain? Is it, is it robust enough? Do you feel like post-secondary education or, or post-massage training, we have to really up our, our level of knowledge as it relates to pain? Because my own personal opinion is when I, I, I did the training, there was very little science around pain or science around the education of pain. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that we didn't get enough about pain. And I think really the understanding that uh, new registrants come out of school with in regards to pain is not nearly as good as it should be. Um, but I do know that there are some really good educators and some of the schools that, that are really changing how the, 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 they're, they're teaching the curriculum and they're really focusing a lot on the pain science uh -huh. uh, and then the biopsychosocial and, and they're really trying to get the new research into uh, students. So I think in my experience, there's a long ways to go, but there is a movement that is starting to enter at least some of the schools where I know some of the instructors that are really trying to change things. But I think um, there is a little bit of... Um, uh, there's not enough time to teach the material in such a short program and some of the stuff that you have to learn to pass your exams and to pass your board is a little bit contradictory to what the, the, the pain science message is. Right. So I think, yes, we need, I think it's, uh, I mean, this is speaking to my bias, <laughs> uh, but I think we really need to, uh, uh, there should be a huge number of continuing education courses, uh, that people can take uh, regarding pain. Uh, and there is more and more coming out all the time. And, and that's really, really encouraging to me because three or four years ago, there was nothing. Uh -huh. If you were to inject a little bit of your own personal knowing of, of pain and, and books and pain science and all that, if, if a person was to take a week and, and explore it, where would you point them just if they had a small amount of time? Uh, for what books to read? Or even what sort of resources to use? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, the most basic introduction to, to pain science in a way that's easy to read is definitely Mosley's and Butler's uh, Explain Pain. I, I read that book a number of years ago, and it completely changed how I thought about pain and about what I was doing. Uh -huh. That's the easiest, easiest one to, to go to. Uh, there's a million different uh, social media, uh, Facebook uh, groups, like there's uh, one called Exploring Pain Science. Uh, there's a Skeptical Massage Therapist group and all those social media things. If you just go on those uh, Facebook groups and just kind of creep on all the uh, conversations and read some of the things that people are posting and some of the links they're putting on there, mm -hmm. uh, I think you can learn a lot in a very short period of time. And have you found those social medias to be pretty good quality? Because sometimes social media can can suck. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of suck on there. But I think those sites, particular, there is there there is some there's really smart people on there, like people that I I have learned so much from, and and I ask them questions all the time because I'm trying to understand things. And there's a lot of people uh, out there that if you put a question on there. Um, and just say, look, I'm wanting to learn. I'm trying to get learn, understand more about whatever the your question is. Uh, people will, will will point you in the right direction, and and it's it's been hugely influential to me, uh, as well as other colleagues I know that uh, that have have kind of gone on this journey, kind of thinking differently about about pain and and what it means for us as a profession. Right. So it's it's a social media inaction. It's positive for the most part. You just gotta uh, cut through a little bit of the chaff. Exactly. Yeah. And there, there can be a lot of the times uh, the, the tone on social media can come across as really negative. Uh -huh. And and I think some people, you just have to not, uh, you can't be a tone police on it. You got to just read the information and, and don't be offended because um, when you're starting to change what you're thinking about what you're doing and, and how you're doing it, and you're starting to realize that a lot of the, the stories that you believed about what you were doing when you were treating people may not be supported by any science or very little science, right. um, that sometimes that can come across as a, as a, as a personal attack. Yeah. And it, it's not meant to be that. It's meant to be, let's think differently about this. Uh, so I always say, read it, but don't be offended because it's not attack on you. Uh-huh. Good advice. You mentioned Lorimer Mosley. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him this last spring when he was in BC for the RMTBC symposium. Uh, really cool and very intelligent person. And he's put out so much information as it relates to pain science. And one of the things that stuck out to me was when he was talking about language uh, and how we speak to our clients, uh, especially when it comes to treating chronic pains. Can you speak to that idea and the responsibilities of us as therapists in, in that space? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really glad you got to talk with Mosley because uh, he's one of my most favorite people. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from him, not from just his books and, and his papers, but also from uh, a few personal conversations I've had with him. And, and uh, my, one of my favorite quotes from him is, is this, it says, the structural catastrophe that mechanical explanations imply is potentially disastrous. And, and I love this because it, it, it's, it's all about language mm -hmm. and the language we use and how in certain parts of the population, the language we use can be so detrimental that we may, as a well-meaning practitioner, 
we may inadvertently send people down this path of chronicity based on really bad beliefs about what's going on with them. And, and I think that um, our responsibility as, as a therapist is, is that um, we should really have the concept of do no harm. Uh-huh. So whatever we say to people has to be um, in the most positive way as possible. And when we start blaming things like uh, biomechanics or posture or uh, some type of tissue problem, you know, I think there's a certain part of a population that it's going to take that and, they, and they're going to hold on to that and they're not going to get better because they're going to constantly seek care to fix this perceived problem that someone told them is wrong with them. And I think that we should always be trying to communicate in a positive way to infer wellness and not to infer uh, illness. And uh, I think that at the very basic principle of, of uh, the fact that pain is all about protection and it's a protective response that if if our language can infer or can help people feel safe and 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 infer them to 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 feel better rather than feel worse about what they're experiencing then i think that's a hugely huge step in the right direction of of what uh of what we should do as, as therapists yeah i was really intrigued when he started talking about that because he was speaking at it from a neuroscience basis and sort of laying down you know, synaptic responses and all of that type of stuff. And, but, but, uh, I've also had a lot of, uh, I've done a lot of reading in other realms. And, and one of the, the pieces that stuck out to me was Thomas King, who's a first nations author and comedian. And, and he was, uh, speaking about story and how story is, uh, sort of lays the foundation of who we are and, uh, how we are in the world. And so, it really resonated when Lorimer was speaking about it from this neuroscience perspective, because it's not only being spoken at from sort of a modern science way, but uh, some of these old indigenous wisdom traditions also reinforce that idea that the stories we tell each other uh, are are important and the stories that we reflect. And so I, I think as therapists, we're, we're also telling stories or we're laying down settings for our, our, our clients, our patients and, and, and if we do it irresponsibly, then we can uh, keep them in this pretty pain-filled space. And if we do it differently, and it seems like science is 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 holding that up, then there's a chance that their uh, outcome is much better. So I I, I I loved this idea a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's brilliantly said, Damien. I think that that's that's fantastic, and I think there's there's a lot of logic to that too. Um, and I, yeah, I think, uh, I, I agree with you hundred percent there. It's, yeah. that's great. Right on. I think we're on number three. I think we've got a few, <laughs> a few extra questions kind of, uh, slid in there that's all right. and stuff. Um, it's more for keeping it to a, a particular time, but I think we're doing well. Okay. So we're talking, we're talking science and there's an inherent bias. We've already sort of hit on that, or you've hit on that a little bit as you've talked about it to having a scientific focus. And I've, I've perused the the skeptical therapists facebook pages and and uh, all the all the various ones that you've mentioned I've, I've bounced around in them and there seems to be usually sort of two factions there's there's the the people who really heavily believe in the science and the importance of science as it relates to massage therapy and then there's other people who get hurt by the idea that people are saying no this doesn't work because the science doesn't uh, back it up and 
this is really common in, in the profession of massage therapy. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit in terms of there's a lot of therapies out there that really aren't steeped in any kind of research or science. And yet they still work and there's therapists who do a certain type of work for many, many years and have a deep, deep belief in its use and its uh, efficiency as far as, as helping people get better. But the, the, there's no science behind it. So there's there's almost two camps. There's the science-based camps and the, the other people that don't have the science behind it, but still believe that their their type of therapy works. So each has its own bias. So I was wondering, because you kind of sit in the science camp a little more, um, what your opinion is on, on those methods that aren't research-based and are there inherent problems there and and vice versa from a science-based perspective are there problems that lie there from that particular bias and what are the benefits yeah i really like this question damien so thanks for asking this is something i talk about a ton um and i you know i i'll try and be brief so my uh, my opinion on this has softened considerably over the past few years uh when i first jumped like head first into the deep end into the the pain literature uh and started like learning and, and exploring this um i kind of went too far to one to one side i was like no nope, everything's crap science <laughs> is it and then i've kind of swung back more to the middle and so i don't really have any strong opinions anymore but i love to have this conversation because i think like what we do as massage therapists, I mean, we have, there's a tons of validity to it because otherwise you wouldn't have 4,000 RMTs in BC making a living, uh-huh. right? We know that what we do gives benefit to our patients and we can't discount that at all. But I think the, the real important thing is the explanations we use to explain why our favorite techniques or modalities are working. That's where we lack the science. Uh, and that's where I see the problem because I think uh, when a therapist really holds on to their favorite modality or treatment style, and that style lacks any research or any scientific explanation, and they sell that therapy that as a fix, as as that's what you need to get better, mm-hmm. and I can fix your problem with my special technique, that's where I can see it being problematic. Because we really don't want patients to become dependent on us and we don't want them to have this really unhelpful belief about their body because um, like this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about the language that, that, uh, that Mosley talked about and how influential it can be is that many of these therapies inherently pr- provide an explanation that is may seem catastrophic to the individual. Uh, they may think that there's something wrong with them. They need the therapist to fix it for them. And uh, I, I don't see the application of, of the techniques as a problem, but it's their explanation that, that I see right. the problem. Uh, like, so if someone, if someone really wants to do, and they're really heavily invested in uh, craniosacral or, or visceral manipulation, for example, and we know there's no research that really supports the explanations, the mechanisms mm-hmm. for what that's doing, I don't have a problem with people doing that. I think if it works and the patient likes it and you're comfortable doing it and that's what you like to do and that's what you've been doing your whole career and that works for you, then I think go with it. As long as you're not giving the patient the the story that there's something wrong with cerebral spinal fluid or a stuck cranial bone or adhered viscera because those stories aren't supported by science. Yeah. 
we there's been enough research that has looked at that from a physiological level and an anatomical level and says not really um so i think in the absence of evidence i think it is best to leave those stories out right because they may be harmful and at the very least those stories are unhelpful i have a little follow follow-up question yeah. just to that so if a person has that uh lexicon that that way of of, of quantifying what they're doing or qualifying what they're doing and they have a particular particular language around it if they're really stumped as to how to fix that who or where is there are there any resources to to relearn or to up your level as far as responsible languaging goes Ooh, that's a that's a good question there is i mean i think the, to to make things, I, I can't think of any simple resources off the top of my head, um, but the, the very basic principle, I think we just have to realize that everything we're doing is interacting with the nervous system. So if you're getting if you're getting a result because of a treatment, it's most likely because you're impacting you know peripheral and central nerve mechanisms, uh, not the the cranial or the visceral stuff, um, like you're interacting with the skin. Uh, I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, the person, if you're really wanting to look at uh, some of the kind of uh, surface neuroanatomy is uh, Diane Jacobs has a lot of really good uh, resources on that, that would kind of help give you a different explanation of why things might be working. Okay. Rather than the explanations you've had, I'm trying to think if there's any like other websites or anything that uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But I'm sure as soon as we finish, I'll, I'll something will come to my mind. Yeah, I was because the way I, I've thought about it, I've thought about this a lot in terms of figuring out how to to say it differently. Because I'm, I'm retired as a therapist now, but when I was working, I was doing lots of fascial work, and and the language around fascial work is very specific depending on sort of the camps you're in um and the explanations yeah yeah i used to do a lot of fascial stuff too i just want to put that out there like i i'm i'm not like i wasn't like a i wasn't like a I wouldn't, I didn't, I haven't been practicing for 12 years just this way. I spent probably the first half of my career heavily invested in the kind of fascial structural stuff. So I just like to let people know that like I've been on both sides of this. And so I know how hard it can be to, 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 uh -huh. to jump to the other yeah, side and, and then repurposing or, or figuring out how to say it in a responsible way to me has become kind of like the ultimate goal of, the, of a therapist as far as when you work as a as a manual therapist whether it's a chiropractor or a physiotherapist or a massage therapist or a doctor or a nurse or anybody who works with people really how do we relay our information ethically and it's a it's it's actually a very challenging road to embark upon because it's it's really easy to stay within the confines of yeah i'm i'm doing this to your cerebrospinal fluid or i'm doing this to your uh, rhythms of your organs or whatever it is and and that's not to say i don't know whether or not we are doing that but at the end of the day like we've just talked about there's not a lot of science to back up those things so we're sort of um it's, it's almost like we're relaying information of a very smart and charismatic individual that's not been backed up. So it's not place, it's not a place that I feel very comfortable, generally speaking. Um, and I, I'm glad to see that there's lots of massage therapists who are, are thinking about this because I, I think it makes the work better. And at least at the very least it has conversations started around 
these things, which are really, really important in terms of healthcare. Oh yeah, I for sure I agree. I think the conversations that, that these type of uh, challenging these type of uh, different ways of thinking, I, I think, are, are hugely important. And I mean, some of the the best learning I've done is getting together with with groups of, of colleagues or, or going to conferences and workshops and and discussing stuff with people. And you know, I think the uh, you know when we when we're not really sure what language to use. Because sometimes it can be difficult, and it's something I struggle with every day when I'm working with patients. Is that I just I just talk about things being sensitive and protected, and we're just trying to change the sensation in that area and hopefully make it feel less protected and, and less sensitive. And I think if we can just do that and, and not put a big story around it, yeah, I think that's the most like we just simplify it and make it. That's that's we're doing our job. Totally agree. And uh, that's kind of our time, Eric. Uh, um, anything you want to add?